the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Good afternoon and welcome to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm Jim Stanley sitting in for Brother Bert Harper. We're having a couple of technical difficulties with Dr. McFarland, and we will have him online quickly, I'm sure. Uh, You know, sometimes when you're at the mercy of computers, it just happens. And so I do want to let you know that if we're able to connect with Alex, we'll be in Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. Now, Isaiah is one of the major prophets and I know that Bert and Alex talked about that some yesterday and that they want to uh, go ahead and, and we're going to try and talk about some of that again today. And so uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. In the meantime, I want to remind you that Alex has his conference coming up very soon. In fact, I want to double check and make sure. Well, I tell you what, someone yes. that can tell me even more about that than I can tell you has joined us. Good afternoon, Alex. How are you? I'm doing great, Jim. It's good to be on, and uh, God answers prayers because the technical side of things is apparently working, right? Amen. And and you need to pray for me more often because it seems like your prayers come with instant answers. (laughs) The Lord is good. and Well, we're (laughs) excited. It's great to have you on Exploring the Word, Jim. It's always a privilege to have you at the mic, and um, we're going to look at uh, some more from Isaiah here in just a little bit. But, Jim, thanks for mentioning uh, the Truth for New Generation Conference. We are so excited. A week from Friday, we're going to be in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, with Sandy Rios and with Dr. Frank Turek and with attorney and pastor E.W. Jackson, live in person. People were asking me, are they really going to be there? Yes, Sandy Rios will be there in person, and all the great speakers. And Jim, we're talking about, of course, the Word of God Mm -hmm. and revival and awakening, but really we are coming together to get equipped to defend Christianity, and it is for all ages. By the way, if you go to my website, which is just my name, alexmcfarland.com, complete information is on there, and it is for all ages. There's music from the award-winning group out of Nashville, the Bird Songs, amazing Christian band, but October 15 through 17, Myrtle Beach. Uh, We're going to come together, and Jim, among other things, we're going to talk about a biblical response to the woke movement. Mm -hmm. What, What is wokeism? And, and what does all of this mean for our country morally and spiritually? So uh, even if you can't come, folks, be in prayer. And, it, it, you know, it seems like the Lord always moves in a great way at these conferences as we're working to uh, just proclaim the gospel in our nation. So thanks for bringing that up, Jim. Yes, sir. I want to ask you a follow-up to that. Uh, for folks that may not be able to make it in person, are you going to have a, a streaming ticket, if you will? You know, um, the church we're in just really didn't have the capabilities to do that. We are filming it, but, um, you know, uh, we're not streaming this one. I wish we were, but at any rate, uh, maybe next time on that. Well, it sounds like the, if they're going to record it, that a DVD or, uh, our stream may be coming up soon. So we look forward to that. Now, folks, I want you to understand what kind of week Alex is going to have next week. Because next week is share and Alex is flying into Tupelo on Monday. 
mm-hmm. and has said that he's willing to stay through Thursday if I need him. Now, yeah. I, and I am very grateful for that. But, brother, in looking at your calendar, I think you're going to need that Thursday to make sure that – because I know how you are, man. You're, you're, and there's nothing wrong with this, but you're a perfectionist. And I don't want to well, be the one that puts you over the edge, you know? <laughs> oh, well, you know, there's this old acronym TEAM, T-E-A-M, Together Everyone Accomplishes More. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm just blessed to have a great team of volunteers around, you know, and so – um, I, let me just say this while we're talking a little bit about worldview, and then we're going to talk about Isaiah. Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing that we've done for years, we have a camp. And I know summertime is way far away, but look, uh, July 17 through 22nd, next year will be our worldview camp. This is for middle school and high schoolers. And again, Will and Miki Addison will be there. They are tremendous. And Jim, let me just say this and, and back me up here. When we're talking about people like Sandy Rios and E.W. Jackson and Frank Turek and Will and Mickey, I mean, and, and in past years I've had speakers like Abe Hamilton and Ev Tagliano. I mean, you're talking about not only great Christian thinkers, but people that are a walking powerhouse of the Holy Spirit. And um, I, don't you love to see how... Um, Great people like Will and Meeky, God uses them to shape the lives of others. And so, folks, um, we are in it to win it. When it mm-hmm. comes to revival in America, whether it's share next week or whether it's exploring the Word or whether it's our you know Truth for a New Generation summer camp next summer, uh, look, we are committed to the truth of Jesus Christ and passing on the faith of of our nation to young people. And so isn't it exciting to live in a time where, where God has raised up major leaders like Will and Mickey and Abe and Sandy and yourself? Um, I want people to be encouraged, don't you? Oh, absolutely. And folks, let me tell you, if you are making plans to attend this event or if you can have your young people go to camp next summer, uh, I cannot think of a better person uh, to to lead that for them than Alex simply because the man that you hear on the radio is probably one of the greatest servants I've ever met in my life and uh, he wants to do anything he can and I mean that literally uh, when he's here at Sherathon if I need a bottle of water he's like man let me get that for you you know or mm-hmm. if there's something else going on Alex comes to serve not to be served Now, that said, we try not to take advantage of him because we want to be a servant to him as well. But what Mm. I'm telling you is that's the heart. That's the heartbeat of Alex McFarland is Mm. to serve, be it at the conference next weekend or be it at summer camp next summer or be it when he comes to your church to share the word. I think that all would agree Alex comes to serve and not to be served. I got to tell you, he's got the easiest writer uh, of any, any public figure that I've ever worked with. Because he just wants a place to lay his head, and every now and then throw him some food, and he's good to go. <laughs> well, aren't we blessed? Amen. Jim. And you're right God's about the other folks, too, man. We've got a great staff here, and uh, it's a privilege to be here. So uh, let, how about we talk about Isaiah? Oh, yeah. You know what? Um, it's been said that the 66 chapters of the book of Isaiah is the miniature Bible. Mm. Now, obviously, Isaiah is in the Old Testament, and, um, you know, 
in chapter 6, it says, in the year that King Uzziah died. Well, history tells us that was probably 740 B.C. So King Uzziah died, and Isaiah was God's mouthpiece, a prophet. In the book of Isaiah, we see a lot of things. We see a prophecy of the virgin birth of Christ. Uh, we see very vividly, Jim, I believe, in Isaiah 53, we see a picture of the work and ministry of Jesus. And, uh, you know, verses 4 and following of Isaiah 53, well, I'm going to go back to, to verse 3. And, and again, this is, you know, seven centuries before the birth of Jesus, but it says he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. He took our pain, bore our suffering. We considered him punished by God, stricken and afflicted. Now, verse 5, amazing. He was pierced for our transgressions. Jim, history tells us, as far as the scholars know, uh, crucifixion as a means of execution didn't even exist yet. Mm. Now, this, this is amazing. Psalm 22, which was written about 1000 B.C., says they pierced my hands and my feet. And then Isaiah 53, which was written, you know, 740 B.C., mm -hmm. and it would still be another 150 years before crucifixion even existed. And yet verse 5 says he was pierced for our transgressions. Jim, how could these Bible writers, from King David to the prophet Isaiah, how could they see history in advance? Well, they only could by the revelation of the Lord. And Amen. it's interesting, you know, when you think about it in that context, the continuity between the Old Testament and the New Testament. We have folks that were writing things, as you said, way before the birth of Christ, but they had complete faith and trust in God and through the power of the Holy Spirit that what he was telling them was true. I mean, and I liken this to the first day that God told Noah, hey, Noah, go get some wood and start building a boat, the biggest boat you've ever seen, because it's going to rain. A couple of things there, it had not rained before then. This <laughs> is true. You know, and so first of all, Isaiah is thinking, Lord, I'm nowhere, anywhere close to water. Why am I going to need to build a boat, and why is it going to have to be so big? And by the way, what's rain? And then you've got yeah. Isaiah writing these things down, and the same trust is there, you know, with, with the Holy Spirit, and that he believes that he's writing what God would have him write. Mm. That's true. And, and, you know, Noah worked on that boat 120 years. Um, Jim, I've had different parents come up, uh, just like I was in Illinois this past weekend, and every now and then I'll meet moms and dads. They'll say, you know, I have a prodigal. And I've prayed for my child for 10 years to come mm. back to the Lord. And I understand that it it is hard sometimes to wait. But listen, walking by faith, just like Noah had to do for 120 years, and Isaiah uh, and these prophets, Bert and I have been teaching on prophets, kings, and kingdoms. Um, you know, when Isaiah 53 talks about that he was buried with the rich. Mm. And remember uh, verse 9 here of Isaiah 53, it would be centuries before the wealthy man Joseph of Arimathea would give up his tomb 
for Jesus. Uh, but all these things were fulfilled. There was no violence. There was no deceit in his mouth. But I want to comment on verse 10. And Jim, I want people to think about the incredible love of God. Because listeners, we want to say this. God loves you. If I had the money, I would put a billboard on every street in this nation, and I would say, God loves you. Verse 10 of Isaiah 53, speaking of this suffering servant, it says, It it pleased the Father to bruise him and to cause him to suffer and to make his life an offering for sin. And Jim, as a young believer, I looked this up. I thought, well, wait a minute. The sinless Son of God was beaten and accused and blasphemed and nailed to a cross, and it says in Isaiah 53, it pleased the Father. It was the Lord's will. And so I looked in some commentaries, and basically what the wording means, God is saying to each one of us, look, if it means that you could be forgiven and saved and restored and healed, God says, look, I was happy to do it. That's how much he loves you, everybody. The Father sent his Son. The Son was you know, as Adrian Rogers said this, on a skull-shaped hill outside of Jerusalem, man murdered his maker. Mm. That's what Adrian Rogers said. But the Father says, that's how much I love you. I was happy to do it for you. People need that message, don't they, Jim? They absolutely do, and they have to understand what that means, you know, how that plays out and how it continues to play out in our lives every day. It pleased the Lord to bruise it so that we might have the opportunity to be free and unbruised before his before his glorious sight when we're called to be home with him this is exploring the word we're in isaiah 53rd chapter and we'll continue with this and more straight ahead on american family radio this is pause to pray a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders Today, we pray for President Joe Biden. As president, he is responsible for the prosperity, well-being, and security of our country while representing freedom and democracy on the world stage. Philippians 2.3 reminds us of the qualities of a good leader. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for President Joe Biden as he leads our country. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says moving toward God requires moving away from the dysfunction and distractions of the world. But today he explains why that might be an easier task than it seems as we spend two minutes with Tony. When I was a boy growing up in Baltimore as a young kid, I spent hours playing marbles. I got pretty good at marbles. You know, you put the marbles in the circle and and you try to pop them out of the circle. At one time, I do remember, I was like six feet away from the circle, and I eyed that thing, and I got my marble online, and I, boom! I, I not only hit it, I cracked the marble in half. You couldn't say nothing to me. <laughs> you know? But then one day, a guy from the neighborhood brought over a football. 
And I started to fall in love with football. I started to get passionate about football. And I noticed something. I noticed I was playing marbles less and playing football more. After a while, I wasn't playing marbles at all because every day after school was football, on Saturday was football, it was football, 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 because my love grew in a new direction. And I had to say goodbye to my old plaything. Unless you believe God's got a football, you'll keep playing marbles. Unless you believe that God has a destiny for you that is so spectacular, so powerful, so potent, so purposeful, you'll keep playing marbles. You'll be satisfied with that little circle you're in and think you're doing something because you say a prayer once a day and you go to church once a week. Discover how different your life can be when you start seeing the world God's way. Check with us for details on Dr. Evans' two-volume series, Heroes of the Faith, when you visit us online at TonyEvans.org. And be sure to join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow weak or discouraged before he has established justice on the earth. In his law, the islands will put their hope. Isaiah 42, 3 and 4. American Family Radio. faithful member of the family, the blood of Christ and the sacrifice that he made. And I find it interesting that we have that musical come back to exploring the word as we're talking about God the Father here in Isaiah, the 53rd chapter at verse 10, talking about that very sacrifice. Alex, you had some great comments on that uh, as, as you were sharing a few minutes ago. Pick up on that. Well, you know, it just really... Um you know, I, I can remember one time we were in the rain and I had broken down and uh, a man stopped and helped me change the tire. And uh, Jim, I've driven some old cars in my life and I had a, an old car and I didn't have, you know, the the tire iron to change this tire. Mm, yeah. This old, old Mustang I had. So a guy stops and he had, you know, uh, the, the kind of... Uh, big wrench where you can take the lug nuts off a wheel. Anyway, I said, hey, thanks so much. I really, really appreciate it. He said, hey, happy to do it. You had a need. I was able to meet it. I was happy to do it. So I was studying on Isaiah 53, you know, where it says that it pleased the Father to breathe him, Isaiah 53, 10. And literally the wording is like that, where God the Father says, for you, as, as egregious and brutal as my son's death was on the cross, happy to do it for you. And his soul was made an offering for sin. And there's really um, an uh, allusion, if you will, in Isaiah 53 to the the birth of the church and also the resurrection. Um, he, even though this suffering servant would die, he would see his seed his offspring, the believers, and the father would prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. And verse 11, he will see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. In other words, when Jesus died on the cross, 
the labor, the work he did. You know, in John 17, Jesus said, Father, I finished the work you gave me to do. Jesus would rise and he would see that what he did on the cross was worthwhile and bore fruit because that salvation message comes down to us even today. And so there's a lot more we could say in this, but Isaiah, this 8th century prophet, in, in vivid fashion, portrays Jesus. All right, one last thing, and I'm going to throw back to you. I had a very dear friend, Dr. Harold Wilmington. He was vice president of Liberty University for many years, preached my ordination, and he talked about he was on faculty at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem for a number of years, and even though he was a Christian and Protestant, he taught in Jerusalem. And so he was with a group of rabbis and, you know, renowned Old Testament scholars one day, and he said, guys, I've just got to ask you, uh, what do you do with Isaiah 53? And one of them said, it's a mystery. We, we can't, can't comprehend. I mean, this one who is beloved to the Father, rejected, a man of sorrows, pierced, what does that mean? And Jim, it, uh, I think when you understand Jesus, it becomes clear as can be that he was, verse 12, he was numbered with the transgressors, poured out his soul unto death, mm-hmm. bore the sins of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. You know, Isaiah 53, 12, from the cross, Jesus interceded for you and for me. And so we see the gospel here, don't we? We sure do. And, you know, uh, the the intercession there, if we look at John 17, 20 through 23, it's uh, and this is from the amplified version, so I apologize to anyone that may upset, but I really enjoy the way it says this. It says, "I do not pray for these alone. It is not for their sake only that I make this request, but also for in parentheses all those who will ever believe and trust in me, me through their message that they may all be one, just as you, Father." are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, so that the mm. world may believe without any doubt in brackets that you sent me. Here we have Isaiah prophesying that the Lord is going to intercede for us as transgressors. And there we have in John the fulfillment, if you will, of that prophecy. And again, in Hebrews, it talks about Christ making intercession for us. Alex, not only did it please the Father, but it also pleased the Son. Amen. Well, that's true. That's true. And, you know, I've got to believe in John 19.30 when Jesus cried out, it is finished. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was a victory cry. Right. You know, Jesus, you know, it's interesting in the Gospels, it says he yielded up his spirit. Um, Jesus, his life was not taken from him. Uh, he gave his life. And so as we get, get into these latter chapters of Isaiah, all right, there's prophecies about how the Messiah, this coming suffering servant, would obey the Father. He would suffer crucifixion. And, you know, as it goes on in like Isaiah, you know, 54 and following, God reassures the Israelites that he still loves them in spite of their sin and disobedience. And he says, look, he has not forsaken them. And we as believers, he'll never leave nor forsake us. Now, the book uh, concludes 
and we'll we'll come back. But basically, uh, Isaiah he is a prophet. He calls out Israel's sin. He warns of consequences for sin. He talks about the need for repentance. But what's interesting, as Isaiah concludes, and this would have been just revelatory for ancient Jewish people, but that God's future uh, plans include Gentile involvement with the the nations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in Isaiah 49, by the way, it talks about the Redeemer of Zion and the light to the Gentiles are the same people. Now, let's think about this, because, Jim, we've had uh, callers ask this, you know, if Gentiles get saved through faith in Jesus, how do Jewish people get saved? Well, through faith in Jesus, the Mm -hmm. Messiah. And what's interesting is that Isaiah, and again, I can't overstate how revolutionary this concept would have been, but um, this Messiah of Israel, the Redeemer of Zion, is the light to the Gentiles, the same Messiah for both Jew and Gentile. That's a, that's a, a revolutionary concept, isn't it? Sure is. Um, and, and as you, you know, looking through Isaiah 54, you know, the, the encouragement that we find there that, uh, and we see it later in the New Testament where Paul talks about the same thing, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and mm. their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. You know, uh, Alex, and that's from King James, by the way, uh, it, to know how much faith Isaiah had as he was writing this, but also then to for us to look back and see the fulfillment of that found in the crucifixion of Christ. Mm. Right. And, you know, though Israel had sinned, you know, Isaiah says, well, uh, do not think the Lord has forsaken you. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Mm. And in the New Testament, you know, we see promises of God's uh, faithfulness to us, even if if we're not faithful. Some of these some of these passages are just like poetry. Bert, Bert and I were talking the other day, Jim, about how Isaiah, I mean, it just reads like the lyrics of a beautiful song. Mm -hmm. Let me read a little bit here. Verse uh, 1 of chapter 59, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated from you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face so that he will not hear. Okay, here's the thing. God is as close by as a prayer. And and there may be someone even listening now, and you might have wondered, you know, could God still love me? You know, I've I've wandered for a long time. I've procrastinated and I've I've held God at arm's length. Listen, He hears your prayer. He knows your heart. God is as close by as as your cry. And if you call out to Jesus, He will hear you. And Isaiah reminds them that God is faithful, even if we're unfaithful. Um, I love how in 59 it talks about the Redeemer of Zion. Let me read this from 59, and if we need to go back or anything, we can. But it says, The Redeemer will come to Zion, and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob. In other words, if you turn from your transgression, God will receive you. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. 
My spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time and, and evermore. The spirit, 1 John 2.27, the spirit that abides in you remains. And you remember how in the Old Testament, even like back in Deuteronomy 6, God told Israel, my words, teach them to your children and to your children's children. Well, Isaiah 59, 21 says the same thing. My words, don't let it depart from your mouth and make sure all your descendants know it. To our own times, Jim, I would apply it like this. Um, We've always got to be passing the faith on to the next generation, don't we? We sure do. And if we're not doing that, then, you know, we're not fulfilling the call of God. Yeah. Um, Did you ever hear this? I heard this 30 years ago. I was a new believer. And we had a conference at the church uh, where I was going, and a speaker said, um, we're we're always maybe only one generation away from paganism. And I thought, well, what in the world does that mean? And what he meant was, it was a mission speaker, and he was saying, look, uh, we've always got to seed the gospel to those coming along walking in our footsteps. And I understand what he means. Uh, Jim, uh, Christianity Today, uh, it's not quite the magazine it once was, in my opinion, but there was a time when it was really a great clarion voice for truth. And there was an article by um, Palmer, was the guy's name. It'll have to come to me. But he, he was talking about America, and he said, you know, we need to pass the gospel on to every upcoming generation, but even, you know, love for country, patriotism and morality and, you know, thank God for the flag. And he said, I'll never forget this, Gordon Palmer was his name, Gordon Palmer. He said, America and American values may die simply because nobody bothered to pass it on. Now, don't get me wrong. We're all about Jesus. It's Christ and his kingdom. But, Jim, i I got to think we need a little bit of love for America, too. And that's something we also need to pass on. Well, it sure is. And, you know, uh, love for our fellow man, love for, uh, for America, love for the world. Uh, and that is, uh, folks, I want you to hear me. I'm not talking about a one-world order. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, I think that America has a unique place that it, it really is at a crossroads, and this does not have anything to do politically. It all has to do spiritually. We are either going to have to wake up or we're going to find ourselves cast to the, you know, cast to the side, if you will. And so, Alex, I think that, that we absolutely have to remind our young people to remind our, our young adults why America was founded in the first place. Was everything perfect? Was everything rosy? No, there was trouble. There were things that shouldn't have happened. But it's the fact that it has endured. And we're still a young country in cultural, you know, as, as far as con- countries' ages go, aren't we? Oh, yeah, we, we really are. And heaven forbid that this great nation that's been a beacon of liberty prosperity, stability, safety for the world, that we would lose this this nation uh, in our lifetime. That would, that would be so sad. Uh, but let me say this, regardless of the rise and fall of 
nations, the ebb and flow of history. The kingdom of God is forever. Amen. Um, I, I love Isaiah writes about this, that um, uh, I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord and the praises of the Lord. This is Isaiah 63, 11. Uh, it says, he remembered the days of old, Moses and his people saying, where is he who brought them up out of the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he who put his Holy Spirit within them? And it goes on, and it says that it's the Lord. He leads his people to make himself a glorious name. And time fleets away, but let me, one of the things I love, maybe this outcry is something we could relate to in ver, verse 1 of 64. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down and make the mountain shake. Jim, do you ever like agonize within yourself? Oh, Lord, come down here. We need you. Lord, open up that sky. Come down here and either send a revival or take us home. I think to this day, like Isaiah, we cry out for the God of heaven to come down here and fix this broken earth. Amen. I mean, you know, we have to. We just have to. Yeah. Uh, well, Isaiah closes out, and he is, folks, called one of the major prophets. Not that Amos and Hosea and Joel are insignificant. But the minor prophets mean their books are kind of shorter. Isaiah, 66 chapters, a long book. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? See, uh, they wanted to rebuild the temple. And uh, even though we could build things for God, like a church or a sanctuary, hey, heaven is his throne and the planets are his footstool. We serve a great and mighty God. Amen. Folks, this is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Your phone calls are next at 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Your phone calls and more straight ahead on American Family Radio. picture is worth a thousand words. For President Biden, those come as false accusations against our Border Patrol agents, even threatening to make them pay. Pay for what? Faithfully doing their jobs to protect our border from illegal entry? Working hard to clean up a problem caused by President Biden? Come on, man. His accusations have been proven false, but the liberal media and elected Democrats keep spreading lies. Urge the president to apologize to the Border Patrol and to know the facts before speaking. Go to AFA.net. When you hear this... This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery, all the nations were deceived. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. While speaking somehow at a megachurch in Brooklyn, New York Governor Kathy Hochul said, All of you, yes, I know you're vaccinated. You're the smart ones. But you know there's people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. I need you to be my apostles. I need you to go out and talk about it. Silly me. I thought the Messiah was the one who ordained apostles and sent them out. 
Governor Hochul is an example of the adherence to the non-gospel of vaccination. These folks should be collectively identified as branch COVIDian. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for the Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 7 says, Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. I get excited when people seem to be listening intently to my message in church. But sometimes what's really going on is that they're channel surfing. Some of them are on the golf channel thinking about how they can improve their swing. Some are on the home shopping network and they're making a mental list of what they need to get for the house. They're hearing God's word with their ears, but their hearts are channel surfing. We're responsible for how we hear God's word. Today, whether you're having your quiet time or whether you're in a worship service or whether you're listening to Bible teaching on the radio, let God's word fall into good soil and take root into your heart. It will transform your life. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. Triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. As we're taking your Bible questions this afternoon, Alex. Before we go to the phone, I want to make sure. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about Isaiah, or did you want to pick up on the rest of it tomorrow? Um, well, I just let me encourage people to read this, especially read chapter six, because it does reinforce that Christ, well, the Lord will reign. And it says, they will bring all your brethren an offering to the Lord from out of all nations. And so this thing called the Great Commission, that every kindred, tongue, tribe, and nation would know the true and living God, that's set forth, really, in Isaiah, eight centuries before the birth of Christ. Mm, amen. All right, let's go to, J- <clears throat> pardon me, let's go to Jake calling us from Kentucky. Jake, good afternoon, and welcome to Exploring the Word. How are you guys doing today? We're blessed. Well, I actually had to have uh, two questions. One's a Bible question, and and one I hope uh, Jim can help me out with. Um, the next week on the uh, Sheraton, there won't be any exploring the Word. Is that correct? All right. So I'm guessing that one's the one for Jim because the Bible question will definitely yeah. be for Alex. So yeah. <laughs> just just want to clarify. All right. So. Yes and no. It, we will. Bert and Alex are going to be in studio uh, Monday and, or pardon me, Tuesday and Wednesday of next week, and I'll probably pop in for a little while as well because you know I have to be careful when I turn these guys loose. Uh, no, not really. <laughs> but um, it, it, we will have some Bible study, but it's not going to be like the dedicated Bible study that we have every day from three to four. We are going to talk about Sherathon. We're going to talk about the importance of Christian radio. We're going to talk about the importance of the platform that God has provided AFA and AFR to take his gospel to the nation to help fulfill, you know, the Great Commission. And, and so uh, we, will have, we will have some of that because Scripture is an integral part of everything we do here. And telling people about Jesus 
is probably one of the most important things we can ever do day in and day out. So we will have some of that, but it's also going to be some share as well. Go ahead with your Bible question. And and the and the and the Sherathon, we we won't be able to call this number or any of that. Oh that no, correct? sir. Now you're right. We won't have live call ins next week. All right. And now my Bible question. Uh, hey, uh, Alex, um, uh, we're studying uh, we're studying the prophets this week. Is that is that prophets mm-hmm. and kings? Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, do we uh, do, do you have a do you have a a way, or are we are we supposed to study um, the way the uh, the way it's laid out in the in the Bible, or is it does it matter how we in what order we study them, or or or? Um, we well, we're going to go to Jeremiah next. We're going to talk about Jeremiah um, tomorrow. Now, Friday is Fire Away Friday, so I will tell you. Um, Probably Thursday and Monday we'll talk about Jeremiah, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of next week, you know, is going to be Sherathon. So it's going to take us a little while, but if you want to read on ahead or study ahead, you could begin to look at Jeremiah. All right, Alex, let me let me follow up on Jake's question. Um, mm-hmm. Does If I'm doing a personal Bible study where I want to take and I want to glean more out of the prophets than maybe what we've covered here. If I want to go uh, uh, dig a little deeper, if you will, does it matter then what particular order? I, what would be most profitable for me? Um, well, I, w- I would think at this point, study up on the fact, uh, the di- what we call the divided kingdom stage, because what a lot of this was, you know, ultimately the kingdom is the kingdom of Christ kingdoms we're talking about israel the northern kingdom and judah the southern kingdom and you see that the civil war that occurred after the death of solomon when the nation divided up into two was never god's will and one of the things that is really important to understand is jim i believe the devil caused israel to fight brother against brother because Mm. satan was always trying to derail god's plan of salvation So understand that these prophets were sent to minister and call them back to the Lord, but it was during a time when, in a large measure, um, the nation of Israel was out of God's will. So I would say just for personal study, I mean, keep reading and familiarize yourself with Jeremiah, but understand the larger context was back during what we call the divided kingdom stage. All right, good deal. Hey, Jake, thanks for the phone call this afternoon. Now we're going to talk to Vera calling from Texas. Vera, welcome to Exploring the Word. Uh, hello. Uh, I was recently watching a, a Christian TV channel, very recently, and the minister on there was anointing some uh, pieces of paper, and there was a limited amount, and they were praying over those pieces of paper and anointing them. And then uh, you had to, if you wanted one, you had to send in $40, and it was supposed to be a transfer of of the touch of the Lord. And that just, is that biblical? I don't know. It just made me a little bit questionable. I don't know. Hey, what do you say? Vera, that's a great question. And I want to be clear, and I'm going to, Alex is free to correct me on this, but I I know some mighty men of God 
I know some guys who I if I if I had a need I would call them to pray for me. I would call them to pray for my family. But I truly believe that the anointing of anything can be transferred by men, but it has to come at the hands of God. I mean, you read about anointing oil, uh, you know, to to go and pray over the sick. Uh, you read about uh, uh, the anointing oil there. But um, as far as, and I'm going to say this because, you know, we have Sherathon next week, and we are going to give some thank you items away. Uh, and some of that is going to be contingent upon a donation. And so, but we're not, you know, I think two of the smartest guys I know wrote the book that we're going to be giving away. But they have crystal clear hearts. So for us, it's a thank you. We're not, we're not telling you that there is a, an incredible blessing being put on this uh, as a transient object for you to take and you to add to your prayer life. I think it would make an excellent Bible study tool to, to help go along with that. But So I have to be very careful when I see pastors and preachers on TV, you know, uh, having the prayer cloths, having the prayer uh, handkerchief, having these prayer pages. Uh, I, I know that... You know, we see some of that from Paul where he anointed an object and said, take this and, you know, this will happen. But Paul didn't, it wasn't Paul doing that. Paul was doing that under, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Alex, and, and I know that, um, you know, Alex has a, a 501c3 nonprofit ministry as well, where he may ask for gifts from time to time. But Alex, what do you think about that as far as anointing? It's one thing to have a thank you gift. But it's one thing to say you're going to be blessed if you do this. Uh, God bless you. You know, Jim, I'm glad we're talking about this because to my to my recollection, I don't think we've ever really had this question before. Um, if you read like in James 5.14, it talks about if anybody is sick, anoint them with oil and pray over them. But really, you don't see... Um, the anointing of objects. Now, you do see what's called the consecration of objects. Like in Leviticus 8, verse 11, uh, part of the altar and its utensils were consecrated, set apart. So here's the thing, and um, I don't know the ministry that the caller was referencing, and I you know, I would be very careful. I don't want to speak disparagingly of, of another ministry. But Jim, and I'm only speaking for Alex, this idea of putting oil on a handkerchief or a piece of paper, uh, I don't think it's biblical. Mm. And I, I think it preys on the uh, people that think, well, if I, if I send my donation and I get this object, you know, some of their mojo is going to be on it. Now, in the New Testament, you see the anointing of people for service and for healing. Um, you Even in the Old Testament, you see... Something is set apart. And, Jim, I've been at a couple of times when they commissioned a new sanctuary, mm -hmm. and that building was consecrated for the Lord's use. But this idea of the the presence of God being on an inanimate object and we pass it around, I don't think that's biblical, and I don't think it's worthy of a donation. No. And, uh, Vera, again, we want to be—we don't really want to know who you were watching or, or what program it was— uh, you asked for our opinion, and again, Alex was speaking for Alex and for me. I was speaking for me, and, um, and for so, me. and so, it, it really is one of those things for us that we don't 
we don't find a principle for that in Scripture. How is that? Alex, would that be fair to say? I, I think that's a, a, a very diplomatic and comprehensive way to see it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Vera, thanks again for the phone call. And, and like Alex said, I don't remember having, uh, having had that asked before, so that was a great question. All right, Tasha from North Carolina. Welcome to Thank Exploring the Word. Ma'am? Thank you for taking my call. I truly appreciate your service. Um, valuable ministry you have. My question is from Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, when it says, From the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God suffered violence, and the violence taken by force. Could you elaborate and explain to me what that means? Let me jump in on this. Hey, by the way, thanks for listening, and thanks for a great question. And I looked this up one time. It's very interesting, and a lot is packed into one little verse here, because... Um, we know that as born-again Christians, we're not to be violent. But it's interesting, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence. And the wording literally means subjected to violence. And there's two ways to read it. Um, the, the violent take it by force. But what, in a way, um, many scholars believe is that, okay, we understand God's kingdom has been opposed and operatives of Satan have fought against God's kingdom. Okay, but God's people stand back against that. Do you remember Matthew 16, 18? Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And a lot of people think that means, and I'm going to tie it back to Matthew 11. Okay, Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And people think, well, okay, Satan's going to attack, and we're going to hang on. And, and will survive. What it really means is the, the forces of darkness cannot withstand the big steamroller going forth that is the church of God. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the forward movement of God's church. So back to Matthew eleven twelve, the kingdom of God has suffered violence, but, and the, the second word translated violent is really a different word, and it means forceful, dedicated, proactive, the people of God that are not violent in a fighting sort of way, like a mean, you know, instigator, but passionate, engaged, empowered, proactive, the people of God, empowered by the true and living God, the Holy Spirit. We stand against darkness, and we carry forth the boundaries of the kingdom of God by the force of the Holy Spirit. So it's it's interesting, Matthew eleven twelve, the battle of the ages, the, the arm wrestling match between darkness and light that's gone on for the centuries, it's alluded to there in one verse. Amen. Thanks for the call this afternoon. Next, we travel to Kansas, pardon me, we travel to Texas, and we talk to Brother Kansas calling from Texas. Good afternoon, brother. Uh, uh, yes, good afternoon. You had a question? Uh, yes. Uh, how can we, uh, as believers who know that our salvation is purchased by the blood of Jesus on the cross in the empty tomb, uh, return and help those uh, who have wandered back into um, a works-based righteousness or an obedience-based righteousness in order to feel 
that their salvation is being maintained. All right, brother. I uh, appreciate the question this afternoon. Alex, that's one of those that, um, you know, when you think about a works-based church, if you will, it's okay for churches to have ministries as long as we understand that it's not the works that save us, but the works are an illustration of the mercy and blood of Christ that save us. Uh, what, Amen. what are your thoughts? Well, I, I think that one of the hardest things to to really grasp and get our mind around is the grace of God. You know, Ephesians 2, 8 and 10, for by grace have you been saved. And, and Jim, just unconditional love, and that's how God does love us, unconditionally. That's why I love that old hymn, Just as I am, without one plea, mm. but that thy blood was shed for me. Honestly, Jim, and I know you and I agree on this, and we could, we could go for the next 24 hours trying to talk about this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful grace of God that, I mean, it truly is His grace. We didn't earn salvation. We can't work to keep it. Uh, we, we couldn't have bought it. Jim, I think the best way to help people is to completely talk about the, the grace of God. Mm. And maybe you've heard acronyms, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. And I've heard grace described as unmerited favor. But I, I think forever and ever we have to keep in front of people this glorious, glorious reality of God's grace. Amen. I agree with that. Folks, I'm Jim Stanley. That was Dr. Alex McFarland. It's been our pleasure to be with you this afternoon. If you didn't have a chance to get your question answered, send those to us to word at afa.net. Pardon me, word at afr.net. Word at afr.net. Alex, thanks for letting me hang out. God bless. Let's do it again, folks. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Word. Tell somebody about the American Family Radio Network. Most of all, tell everybody, though, about Jesus. Amen. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.